Online vulnerabilities and threats reached an all-new high in 2013. And according to research from Cisco Security Intelligence Operations, the IT industry has been outpaced by the stealthy hackers. Here, Levi Gundert, threat technical leader for Cisco, says the sophistication of attackers' efforts to breach networks and steal data has outpaced the ability of IT and security professionals to address and mitigate these risks. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Levi, before we get into some of the details surrounding the research that Cisco conducted, could you tell us briefly how Cisco collected its results and why it has determined that online threats have reached an all-new high? Absolutely. First, let me just say thanks so much for having me on, Tracy. And relating to your question, this data is coming from SIO, which is Security Intelligence and Operations here at Cisco. And so there's multiple groups within SIO, one of which is TRAC, which is Threat Research, Analysis, and Communications, which I work for, as well as other groups like Sourcefire VRT. And so this report specifically was very metrics-driven, very data-driven. And so there's different data categories that make up this report. Some of it comes from Cisco IntelliShield, which is a great source of data because it's apples, apples, you know, comparisons every year. And we've been doing this report for the last six years, but we've been monitoring the Cisco IntelliShield numbers since 2000. So there's a good historical perspective there. And what we found is that the trend line continues to move in one direction, and that's really up. And we had a peak last year in October of 2013 since we've been monitoring these. And really, it's been 14% increases year over year in the past two years. And so while there, there's a continuing trend in prior years, it, it really reached a peak last year. Levi, Cisco has been tracking online threats since May 2000, but a great deal has changed since then, and that's namely the attacker's sophistication. Did the industry anticipate this trend, and why was 2013 the tipping point year? That's a great question, Tracy. It's really difficult to say what, what the exact cause was in that particular category of vulnerabilities and threats. There's certainly a mixed bag of threat actors. So when you look at the differences between nation-state actors and criminal actors and those that are ideologically motivated, what we call hacktivists, the objectives are obviously different, but each has its own goals. And that comprises some of what we're seeing in 2013. But again, it's difficult to say exactly why the numbers were as high as they were. So what type of threat actors stood out in 2013? Well, one of the things that really stood out was the drive-by attacks that are happening on the web. And we talk about this in the annual security report with, with the trust model. A lot of the trust models that we have, that certain websites are safe to browse to, they're safe to visit. Sometimes that's not necessarily true, and so we saw a shakeup of this trust model in 2013, and one of the more interesting attack vectors continues to be what we call this drive-by attack, where you visit a website that appears to be very legitimate and, and oftentimes is legitimate and benign, but attackers have managed to compromise that website and insert some code into the web page to redirect you to another website that actively attempts to exploit your computer. And this was a very interesting attack vector last year, but specifically we saw some nation-state actors and groups get into the mix with this particular attack channel. And they threw this one into the tool bag, so not just the spear phishing attacks, but also these drive-by attacks, sometimes also known as watering holes, were very, very interesting. 
So beyond the nation state attackers, Levi, what other types of threat actors stood out in 2013, if any? Obviously, criminals continue to comprise a large segment of what happens in the threat intelligence space. There are continuing trends where malware is targeting users' financial data, their PII, their personal identifiable information, and those continue to be a constant threat from the malicious code side, from the malware side. And there's a lot of different ways that they do that. But we also saw some interesting things around ransomware, which is software that once installed on your computer encrypts your data and demands a ransom in the form of a payment to get your data back. And so criminals continue to innovate in the space. And while they are delivering some of this ransomware through the drive-by exploit attacks, this ransomware is really insidious. Because what do you do once your data has been encrypted and you can no longer functionally use your computer? So there's some questions there. Do you pay the ransom? Do you pay the money? Or do you accept the loss of the data and reimage your machine? That's been particularly insidious. That's a good point, Levi. In, in just a moment, I'd like to come back to talk about socially engineered schemes. But before we do that, could you touch on the role that distributed denial of service attacks played in the escalated threat level of 2013? Absolutely. Denial of service is a really powerful weapon especially with the amplification and reflection attacks that we've been seeing. We have seen denial of service attacks that leverage what we call open resolvers on the internet. These are DNS servers that are misconfigured. And so what attackers do is they, they send attack requests to these open resolvers and they can achieve an amplification factor and a reflection factor to create very powerful attacks that overwhelm their victims. And these can be upwards of 100 gigabits per second or even 200 gigabits per second. And so it's, it's really difficult to deal with these as well on the defensive side. And so what we saw last year is that threat actors are innovating in the protocols they're using for these amplification and reflection attacks. Instead of just using DNS open resolvers, we saw SNMP, which is Simple Network Management Protocol, being leveraged. We saw charging. We saw NTP, the network time protocol. And so many of these are foundational older protocols to the internet, but they all have something in common in that they rely on UDP, which is the underlying protocol they use. And what we saw is that criminals especially took a step back and understood there were multiple ways to achieve these attacks. And what we're most likely going to see in 2014 is an escalation of that activity. So Levi, going back to talk about socially engineered schemes, we did see these schemes as well as third-party breaches contribute significantly to the increase in risks that emerged in 2013. A lot of this, of course, goes back to some of the retail breaches that we saw, namely those that targeted Target and Neiman Marcus. Can you tell us more about why these types of risks have increased over the course of the last 12 to 18 months? Well, that's a great question. I think primarily these attacks specifically around payment card data have been going on for the better part of a decade. And numerous companies and numerous brands have been affected. Everything from retail to hotels, really any industry that is accepting payment card data in physical form has been targeted. And many of the breaches haven't been publicly disclosed. Others have. But I think in, in this case, with Target especially, it's just such a name brand. They have so much public exposure with so many consumers who shop there that it's really drawn a lot of attention to the issue. One of the things that we call out in the annual security report is a survey we did of 30 Fortune 500 enterprises where we looked at some of the traffic that was originating from their networks out to known high-threat malware destinations. And I've been in this space for a while, and I'm pretty jaded, but that number of 100% affected companies was really surprising even to me. 
So every company we looked at was doing it. And so what that means is that it's not so much about will your company be compromised at some point. It's really a question of how soon can you detect the compromise and how short will the remediation window be. And so when you look at these types of attacks, you sort of have to assume that the attacker is already in the network. That's where you need to start. So Levi, give us a little bit more information about these Fortune 500 enterprises that were surveyed. And if you could offer some insights about how Cisco actually determined that these particular companies were vulnerable to compromise, you know, what were some of the things that you asked them about that they were doing that showed that they were just as vulnerable as some of the retailers that we've seen breached recently? This was data that was collected over the course of 2013. And what we did is we looked at DNS requests that were originating from these, these corporate networks out to various category of known threats. And so in the annual security report, there's actually a category breakdown of what percentage of these companies were visiting the various threat target categories. At the top of the list was, of course, 100% of, of these companies were visiting known high threat malware web destinations. And again, we know this from the DNS data. Now, it's obviously possible that you have an employee who is internal to the company that is manually entering in this domain or web destination into a browser, but more likely, we believe it's, it's an indicator of compromise, that there is a compromising machine within the network. So what other threats? I was asking about distributed denial of service attacks as well as some of these third-party breaches and socially engineered schemes. But what other threats, Levi, such as drive-by attacks, which you noted earlier, or cyber warfare driven threats or even ransomware played a role in the escalated threat level of 2013? I really believe that the web is really the primary target rich area for threat actors. There's so many different ways for them to leverage it. We talk about it a number of ways in the annual security report. One of the interesting malware evolutions that we saw in 2013 was specifically around two families called Seedork and Darkleach. And these were important because the way that they stage and spread attacks is, is very different in that they're actively looking to compromise web servers and web pages, websites. And, and what they did is they inserted rogue modules into well-known software that answers web requests like Apache and Nginx. And what they were doing was creating new code on the fly when people would visit web pages in these compromised websites. And it was very difficult for researchers to figure out what was going on because it was only happening on the fly. These attacks, they actually compromised 20,000 different websites across the globe. And so we, we see a shift into attackers taking a step back and realizing that the core of the internet, especially in hosting provider centers, is really a resource-rich environment to, to launch all types of attacks, whether it's redirection for web exploits, whether it's spam or phishing or denial of service, they have massive amounts of bandwidth, a lot of physical resources, and, and thousands or millions of, of virtual server instances. And so this was another real evolution that caught our eye in 2013. Levi, can you talk at all about the industries that are at greatest risk? It's a really good question, and it's also a difficult one to answer. In, in the report, we call out various industry verticals that have been affected on an ongoing basis that have seen real growth in, in attacks. And some of those were very counterintuitive. So we saw dramatic rises in the verticals of pharmaceutical and chemical, agriculture, mining, uh, electronics was up there. 
as well as gas, oil, and, and energy. And some of these verticals actually experience negative growth from the median as well. And so it's very difficult to predict what's, what's going to happen or, or what's coming. But again, I would say given that everyone is dealing with a mixed bag of, of threat actor groups in the ideologically motivated attackers, the hacktivists, the criminals, and the nation state actors, it's very much a, a mixed bag of industries that are going to be targeted. And the reality is that nation-state attackers have their own goals and objectives, and sometimes geopolitical events probably influence some of that. And so while there are no hard data points to correlate, it, it makes sense in reality that some of the vertical numbers are most likely going to be affected by that specific threat actor group. So why are some of the targets that you just mentioned, Levi, so fluid? Why are they so diverse? Why do they change so often? It's very difficult to give you a good answer. Primarily because, number one, attribution is very difficult to do to, to isolate who exactly is behind all of these different attacks. But then secondly, you know, once you have attribution, to fully understand the motives behind it. So the best I could tell you is that we, we see patterns. Obviously, criminals are very motivated to exfiltrate any sort of data that they can profit from and monetize, and whether that's payment card data or any other kind of data related to PII that continues to be in high demand in the underground. And then again, with the threat actor groups, they have motives that are, are much more opaque. We don't really fully understand the motives, but we can see in, in the data that they're also after data exfiltration and most likely intellectual property that's going to be valuable to them in, in different industries. And of course, with the hacktivists, the targets tend to range. They're very reactive. They launch attacks in, in various forms based on events that occur. They're very reactive to those types of events in different industries. Levi, Cisco notes in its research that IT and security professionals are ill-equipped to keep up with today's emerging schemes and risks. What would you say seems to be the greatest hurdle that needs to be overcome? There's a lot of academic institutions that have fundamentally recognized the shortfall in the security community and the professionals that are needed. And so there are some great undergraduate and graduate programs out there now. The issue is that ultimately time is required. When you come out of school, time is required to pick up the requisite experience and skills that you really need to be successful in this type of work. And so universities should be applauded for the programs that they're putting together. But companies, organizations, they need to continue to invest in people, both in training and in resources. And then beyond the people piece, Levi, what other areas should the industry be focusing on to help enhance online as well as network security? Well, as we talked about before, at this point, it's a good idea to assume that you have a compromise in your network, that you potentially have an attacker in your network. And if that's the case, one of the most important things to do is to identify the critical data in your network. Is it payment card data? Is it human resources data on employees that contains PII? Is it intellectual property that's critical to your business? This data needs to be identified first and foremost, and then it needs to be segmented logically. It needs to be segmented and possibly physically so that you absolutely have detection around unauthorized access and irregular movement of the data. That's first and foremost. So to accomplish that, you obviously need frameworks and methodologies and tool sets that will help you achieve that. But more than that, you need the right people. And going back to your earlier question about the shortage of security professionals, this is one of the real areas that's going to continue to be a challenge because you need the right people to implement these systems and to implement a playbook. And so that, that's a real issue. Ultimately, in addition to segmenting the critical data, 
You also need to ensure that you have visibility across your entire network, that you have a holistic picture of what your network looks like so that you can address the attack before, during, and after. Levi, I'd like to thank you again for your time. Thank you so much, Tracy. It was great discussing these topics with you today. Again, we've just heard from Levi Gundert of Cisco. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.